This podcast is brought to you by On Track Studio. Welcome, listeners, to M and M. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Michelle. How are you? I'm well, thank you, and thank you for introducing me. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah. How are you feeling today? I am feeling really good. Thank you for asking. I am in a fab mood. It's a beautiful day on the Sunshine Coast, and yeah, I just feel balanced and happy. How are you feeling, Michelle? I'm feeling fabulous. We're allowed to be outside, which is really great. We're mm. allowed to do pretty much. We're allowed to pretty much go about our business, aren't we, on the Sunshine Coast, wearing a mask. Mm. So we're pretty lucky. Extremely lucky. Extraordinarily lucky. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. Mm. What did we talk about last time? Well, I talked about maps. And I think I mesmerised you. You did. And then you took us on a hypnotic journey. Mm, right down a slippery slope into... Um, our colons, for some reason, was odd, very odd, very odd. <laughs> and then you, we went to a bit of Reiki and a bit of um, uh, spiritualism and then we then we got on to Dickens and we talked a bit about, well, just what a genius he was really. Mm. I think he was a bit of a misogynist too, but, you know, we'll forgive him for that because Twas the he time. can write. Twas exactly. the time. Yeah, exactly. Not that we forgive it based on the time, but a little bit. Little bit. You are a product of your time. And, you know, I find that as an excuse, but I also find that as a it's a bit of a misnomer, isn't it? Well, we talked about time too, and we, we, we agreed yeah. that time doesn't exist. So, how does it? Mm. Yeah. And no, you- maybe not down that rabbit hole. But, um, uh, maps. Mm. Maps we talked about, and the idea that maps aren't only topographical, but. For some reason, some people call their face a map. You should have known. You should have known on my face. What was it? What was the? Should have known my map now. You should know my map by now. I go straight to being Kiwi. It's weird. I don't know why I do that. And you really go very Kiwi map. I mean, <laughs> wow, wow. It's like MIP. I certainly hope that we're not having fish, chips, or six of anything. My, I'm going to go, I'm getting straight get into, into it? it, Michelle, if go you don't mind, it, because my word mm. was a real juicy one this week and one that I had to really lean into, uh, do quite a bit of research on. And I'm excited to see uh, what rabbit holes we can go into for this one, because there's so many avenues. My word, Michelle and valued listener was Machiavellian. Mm. Machiavellian. Now this word uh, in itself it's a noun and it means cunning, scheming, unscrupulous, particularly in relation to politic. Mm, unscrupulous. Don't you just love that word? I do. Don't I you do. love all three of those words? I'm going to say them again. Cunning, mm. scheming or unscrupulous, particularly when we're talking about politics. Awesome and cunning is also the part of another really good word. So Machiavellian. Now, the history of this word is fascinating, um, and I'm sure quite a few of our valued listeners already know some of the history of it, but I'm going to touch on it. Okay, so it comes from a man, actually. His name was Niccolo Machiavelli. Mm. Niccolo Machiavelli. Mm. Now, old mate was around from 1469 till 1527, so a hot minute ago. And he was an Italian political philosopher. Oh. So he was very much involved in politics around the Roman times, and but also he used to speak, as many of the Romans did, of philosophy. 
Rome would have been a fascinating place at that time because it, it would have absolutely. been a fallen empire that was trying to be. I think mm, I think it was new. twice fallen by then. Yeah. So what was actually happening was these philosophers were starting to emerge through politics, trying to, if you will, assuage a new way of mm. maintaining power, understanding balance of power, understanding that whole relationship with power. And Niccolo Machiavelli was at the forefront of all of this because he believed inherently that with power political power in particular, comes cunning, scheming, and an unscrupulous nature, that the two were inseparable. Therefore, it's okay to own it and be it. So you're not a politician unless you're unscrupulous. It, he he maintained that they went absolutely hand in hand mm. in terms of success. Mm. So for him, he wrote this book that was called The Prince, Yes. And it was released then. And back then, it it was very lukewarm reception. And he used metaphor galore in this book, basically to say that the prince won't become the king unless he is a cunning, scheming and unscrupulous schemer. Mm. So this whole book chronicles, and I have not read the book, but it chronicles the journey of the young into the the young with also the silver spoon. He's a prince. He's, He's born into the court. But how he gains the throne and then keeps the throne. So it's a fictionalization, but it's sort of like an instruction guide in yes, a way to absolutely. being powerful. And his point of view on it is mm. that when you are in a position of power, like a king is or any politician, you cannot sit around threading daisy chains and going kumbaya and then saying we're all equal. His belief was. To have and maintain that power, you had to be scheming, unscrupulous and cunning. Not evil. (laughs) Not evil. So not like I talked not too long back about the Romanian, Dracul, Mm, mm, and mm, he, you know, he, that's right, he was much more evil because his favourite thing was bloodbaths and heads on sticks. Yes. So that's taking your cunning, unscrupulousness and scheming to a whole new level. That's violence. That's that's a real, you know. We agreed that he was at the extreme end of the spectrum, didn't we? There's a huge difference there. But no, so so Machiavelli isn't saying that. He's just saying, though, that you had to be cunning, scheming, unscrupulous. You couldn't. Just hope that your opponent would do the right thing. You needed to be ahead of every single decision that he would make. So where does trust where does trust fall out of this then? Because in the self. Right. So he was advocating for for, for, for self possession and for hierarchy and yep. for absolute power being within only one person or within one family. Within one schema. Yeah. But he was assuming that that level of self-awareness of being Machiavellian, which obviously he didn't call it that, you know, this was his philosophy, meant that you had trust within yourself enough to say to your cohort or enemy, I I am an unscrupulous, scheming, cunning person. I see this move, let's say, as here are your options of, like, if it was you and me, Michelle, I'd look at you and I'd go, Michelle, I know you want to sit where I'm sitting and I know that you'll do anything to get it. And here's, I'm already embracing that and I will already behave X, Y, Z if you make any moves to make that happen. In other words, trying to actually stop the drama from happening by knowing and owning that the drama's going to happen. 
but also and and then the taking control of you're taking control of the situation it sounds sort of bordering on narcissism too the concept of the self being ascendant over the other not necessarily because he believes that if your opponent had the same machiavellian stance yeah. it could result in conversation oh philosophical conversation in other words we don't need to give each other pleasantries, side-eye each other, but go and have our families killed at night when no one's looking. Yes. He believed that all of that conversation could happen in real time in wow. the moment. I didn't know that he, about it. He's actually known Michelle as the political philosophy and political science postmodern father. It's a postmodern mm. world that he was emerging from. And he looked at the Roman systems that had fallen, I believe, twice before mm. and thought the reason why they fell was because there was dissonance with their honesty. There was They were trying to be pious. Yes, and, while having orgies. Mm. Whilst having orgies and vomitoriums and having the families killed at night. And yeah. he went, if only we just said this out loud before the events <laughs> and embraced the fact that in order to be at that level of power mm. requires this level of cunning, scheming and, and unscrupulousness, we can avoid avoid so much bloodshed and bullshit. Mm, I actually really love it. Yeah, How interesting through, is that? Mm. So, yeah, he's known as the father of modern political philosophy and political science. The book itself was lukewarm because, as you can imagine back then, first of all, I mean, how many publishers were there and who could read? But anyway. Um, exactly. That's right. And it's hard to write shit on, on tablets. And it was so rogue for the time. Yes. Because here you had half of a parliament. That's not what the Romans used to call it. What was it? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Yeah. Here you had probably 50 to 75% of them that still wanted to behave that old way. Yes. They weren't interested. You know, here this man was shining a mirror on your own ways, if you will. Yeah, I can imagine that it wouldn't have been particularly popular at the time. Exactly. You have to sit with your own decisions, your own way of thinking, and then verbalise it and look at the world and go, yes, yes, I did vomitorium and orgy, and yes, yes, I have thought about having your family killed. Why? Because I like my power. Wouldn't it have been wonderful for that mirror to have been shone on the gerrymander and the terrible restrictions that Bjelke Peterson was responsible for in Queensland. You think the incredible duplicity of that government was, it was it was breathtaking and all of it was laid bare really in the Fitzgerald report. It'd be a, a wonderful thing, I think, if, if some of those damaging political times, the people in charge had been, yeah, if they'd had a mirror held up to them. I don't know that they'd respond real well, though. Well, that's they just it. They might just go and make some pumpkin scones. Well, that's just it. You know, so this book and this guy, Machiavelli, mm. you know, he shone a light on this this side of human nature, which as much as we don't like to sit with our truths, is true. Yeah, this is philosophy, right? Like yeah. there's a philosophical edge to this which cannot be ignored because it, when we're talking about self, as you and I know, that's the most spiritual and intimate thing we can talk about because you and I have a very different self and that's almost religious in itself. Mm. So he was, his career didn't go very far after that. Mm. He wasn't killed. They certainly didn't go and lop his head off because he exposed anything because he wasn't about exposing. He was about asking people to sit with You know truth. what I hope then? Mm. I hope that Machiavelli has worked out how to haunt the temporal world and that he's hanging out right next to us, beside us, near Angela Merkel and going, hmm, I had an effect. Angela Merkel. I really appreciate the way that you pronounced it. 
Angela Merkel, mm. and she's off. This is it. No more. She's not contesting the next election. It's um, a really? big shift for Germany, massive. Yeah. How, she's been there for a minute. She sure has a hot minute, yep. And, so and she's, she's done a down. very good job. I think she's been an incredible leader, and she's stepping down. And I love that. I love, if I were a politician, I would love to go on my own terms, and very few of them get to. Speaking of the rabbit holes and the yeah. politicians, so from Machiavelli I went and had a look at a few research essays on how Machiavellian characteristics permeate today's political culture. Mm. Oh, my God, I sound so intelligent right now. You do. But, I mean, honestly, hair flick. Um, So there's a couple that I'll bring up, um, none, in all honesty, you know, that I think would surprise you, me, or anybody listening, Trump. Mm. So, you know, there was this whole um, essay that I read about how Trump used his celebrity as a tool for bullying. Mm. Very unscrupulous behaviour. I intuitively connect, though, Machiavellianism with intellect, and I don't think he had any or has any. I'm not sure. I don't know that there's a real brain in there. Well, we don't know. Well, it's a brain run by marketing and spin. Correct. We don't know where the man ends and where his team begins. But That's you, right. but if you even go back further than his presidency and you watch that show that he was, the reality show that he mm. was on, you're fired, what yeah, was it, Apprentice? Like the Apprentice, yeah. You know, that was exactly that. Mm. But he sat there at the head of that table and bullied everyone at the table because he was in a position of power. And what an amazing thing that says about American society, that that man was electable. Let's move on. Yeah, let's. Another next? one, uh, Rodrigo, du- I can never pronounce. Oh, Duterte. Duterte, yeah, Duterte, yeah, the Filipino mm. um, president. So he has been ruthless in changing law in the Philippines based on his presidency. Again, cunning, scheming and unscrupulous. But the thing is, owning it, right? So this whole Machiavellian idea springs from that you don't pretend. You don't slip the bill under the door, have everything changed, and then on Monday morning when the country, you know, wakes up and goes, oh, what's this? You go, oh, I I don't know. I made him sound Heavens forbid. I made him sound like Basil Fawlty then. Ah, yes, Mr. O'Reilly. Well, it's perfectly simple. Uh, When I asked you to build me a wall, I was rather hoping that instead of just uh, dumping the bricks in a pile, you might have found time to cement them together, you know. Duete has been absolutely vocal Mm. in his stance on drugs and his changing of law, and he has stood eye to eye with the people and the media of the country and went, I'm in this position, I'm doing it. It may seem unscrupulous to you, it may seem conniving to you, it's being done. Wow. So that, you know, very much encapsulates this Machiavellian kind of posture, if you will. Putin and Jinping. Mm. So the the current presidents of China and Russia. So both of them practice politics rooted in practical rather than theoretical. And they this really was a, history too. This was a really interesting essay. It was just on the two of them. And it said that what made them Machiavellian leaders was the fact that they're not interested in the theory behind the positions of power that they hold. They're only interested in the practice of it, which is inherently Machiavellian. Yeah, right. Okay, so there's something that's um, performative about it? Ambitious, exploitative, mm-hmm. manipulative within the systems that they work within. So Usually they- charismatic? Well, almost always to be a leader of the people. But in other words, they have this system, they have this framework that their politics exist in, and inside that these two are incredibly exploitative and manipulative inside of it. And they've managed to make sure that they have that power forever. They can't be voted out. Which is the ultimate Machiavellian move because, Mm -hmm. you know, again, 
looking the people in the eye and saying, you will now not ever not look me in the eye. So it sounds too like there's always an undercurrent of violence because mm. um, the Putin and Xi regimes are, for some people, um, pretty damaging. There's, there's, I wouldn't use the word violence. I would use aggression. Mm-hmm. There's, there's got to be Physical a, control. yeah, there has to be an underlining felt aggression around this person that owns a Machiavellian way of politics. You are not passive. You are aggressive. You are not submissive. You are overt and you take that power that you have and you boom it out and you don't hold back. You go for and say what it is you think makes the leader that you are with no shame, unashamed. I wonder if they think of themselves as messianic, as, as godlike, you know. I have wondered that a lot about Putin. Great word, messianic. Yeah, yeah it's M-word. an M word too. Mm, love that word. And I do wonder whether they actually believe that they are above other humans, you know, and that that, that gives them the right to rule the way that they do mm. and also to uh, capture and harness power forever. Yeah, well, they're, those concepts that you're speaking of now blur the line somewhat of the Machiavellian f- philosophy, but there you go. Mm. So that's where this word comes from, this, this uh, Italian philosopher back 500 years ago, 600 years ago now, and he wasn't a bad guy. He was qu- Apparently his character had a family. He was quite passive himself. He wasn't Machiavellian. He just was the one to actually yeah. talk about this concept that power corrupts absolutely. And, again, it's a... Um a fictionalised account used to teach you lots of lessons and be an instruction guide. Correct. I love it. Well so there done. you go. So that's Machiavelli. I've got to say this one I loved. Um, I know, dear value listener, hopefully that wasn't too banal or, or rudimentary an exploration, but I love doing the research on it, in particular the um, articles about the current leaders and how they dance around this this philosophy and, and use it in, their, in the current climate. And being, you know, someone in this world right now who has reasonable awareness, it's freaking fascinating to, to sort of sit back and, and break it down. I had no idea at all, no uh, no. Cl- that that was actually the basis of his uh, writings Mm. and I didn't understand the concept of the performative nature of the the being overt and I love it Mm. and it must have been groundbreaking and it must have been something that scared a lot of the members of that parliament that we can't remember the name of. And the public. Yes. Think about it for a minute. How many people in the world back then and now are quite comfortable in the not knowing of what's happening? Yeah, if, the, the people who just say, I need to be told what to do and I'll do it. Yeah, and, yeah. and what I know is enough yeah. and I don't need to know what happens after the 6 o'clock news finishes. And I'm not judging anyone when I say this. I'm not no, judging no. anyone. But, you know, there would be a big, there's a big ripple effect from sort of having exposed as, well, this isn't only what's happening. Mm. And the people that were voted into governance and, and our leaders have this side to them mm. that's Machiavellian. Do you think that it's particularly, do you think that it's gendered? Great question. What a great question. Oh, you've, you've really flummoxed me here because I actually hadn't even considered it. I'm going to say no, because it's, a, it's not about gendered balance. I think it's about power. And I think that there's been many women in, in power that have abused that power too. Mm-hmm. So I don't think so. But I think it's a lot easier for males, if you look at our history of being the dominant one, the aggressive one, and the one in power, 
predominantly since, you know, language began, mm. it's much easier for us to slip into that role. Let's well, just assume that's right, yeah. I think it would be a lot more difficult for a female to kind of, you know, take on that role without nudgings and maybe a bit of her own personality uh, aligning with it. Mm. But but I don't think it's exclusive to gender, but what a great question. What's something to really consider? Yeah, especially because the examples that we discussed are blokes, although Angela Merkel's approach as a politician I think has some of those characteristics. Mm. Mm. I think all of our politicians have to have some of those characteristics. Yeah, yeah, you've got to have an incredible belief in the self, don't you? You and, have to. And just to be able to slough off the criticism and continue to believe in your course. I've always been incredibly impressed by people who do that, even those who make a mistake. And I must say that someone like Churchill is someone I'd like to do a lot of reading about. I'd Mm. like to understand his leadership more. Absolutely. I think we've got a lot to learn from that bloke. And Thatcher? Oh. Thatcher was definitely Machiavellian. Yeah, well, wow, absolutely. You know, there's an example for you. She's just popped into my head now and she absolutely took her power and impressed it upon her ideals and beliefs of the society at that time. And, man, did she make some changes. Changed an economy, that's right. Absolutely. So there, Michelle, there you go. That's Machiavellian for you. Thank you, you, Matthew. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, what's your word today, darling? Well, I've got a question before I tell you. Please do. Have you ever played footy? Look, yes and no. I'll say yes because when I was a child I was forced into it in PE. Uh, No, because do I have any memory of actually doing it? No. Great. Okay. There's a, a move in rugby union, I think, let's say that. There's a There's a move called a maul, and the maul is when everybody kind of jumps on top of everybody else. And I don't really understand what it's supposed to achieve. It's not a scrum? This is a scrummish maul <laughs> or it's a maulish scrum. So I think scrum is the gridiron word in America and ah, maul, maul is what they use in maybe Australia. Maybe English and, and Australian, okay, yep, so yep. the European. So my word is maul, M-A-U-L, not to be confused with the place you go shopping, which is M-A-L-L. Which yep. we're never going to do that word because we're not. it's too American. Oh, it's so American. Absolutely. Shopping centre. The word is used for that sort of sporting move, but also, have you ever seen a David Attenborough? Yes, many. Um, yeah. And have you seen the incredible way that a gazelle will be taken by a lion yes. as an example? Yes. You can't look away as the tiger's claws maul, tear, rip and shred the skin, the flesh of this poor gazelle. They're always beautiful, aren't they? Aren't they? They're all, and they always look so bamboozled and shocked. They do, they, and they look fit. They look like they could get the fuck away, but they don't. It's well, the terrible. lion is the king of the jungle. We are, ooh, are, well, we yep, are, exactly. Ooh. We need to take some singing lessons before we start doing melodies. So the word is almost onomatopoeic, as we, we discussed maul. that yesterday, I think. Mm. To maul something feels like a scrawl, feels like a scrum. It feels it, like a shred it and a feels, tear. It feels violent. Yeah. So to be mauled is always to be injured. You've always gonna, you're always going to lose some skin if you've been mauled. And there's really only a few things that can maul you. I can't imagine being mauled by a bat or a micro bat. Yeah, could okay, so interesting. So can maul be used to describe it on a smaller scale? Does maul have to be... As you said with the gazelle and the lion, which very much encapsulate it, could you say that she was mauled by a flesh-eating disease if it took three weeks or is that not? Oh, 
Yeah, look, leprosy, I suppose, could you could but maul it, you. But maul is maul, and it's real. It's really more an interspecies thing, you know. It's it's really more something that happens between animals. So a human can be mauled by, let's say, a bear, a bear, oh, or a tiger. Anything with big, dirty sh- claws, claws shark. that are definitely going to cause bad, bad disease mm. in your skin. Um, a shark, a shark won't only maul you. Have you seen the way that they mate? The poor no. lady shark, right? The lady shark is kept in place by the male clamping her with his mouth and then he Perfect. takes the lady in a very unromantic way <laughs> as she bites him back. She bites him. So he's doing his business and she's reaching back and biting him. It's actually a really distressing thing to watch. And I could say that what she is doing to him is a bit of a mauling. Baby shark. Do, 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 do. You'll never <laughs> I watch don't that. know what that was. You'll never watch that the same again. You don't know what that was? No. Mommy shark. Do, 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 do. Daddy shark. Oh, my God. I I'm, don't know what you're talking about. What are you singing? I can't believe you have... Was that ne- Mummy Shark and Daddy Shark? What is that? I can't believe you don't have nieces and nephews and you don't know Baby Shark. It's no. This, oh, well, I'll introduce it. Valued listener, I know you're all falling over right now in shock that she doesn't know. <laughs> really? Baby Shark. Do, 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 do. I will introduce her to it the minute this podcast is over. Oh, God. I know. One potato, two potato. That's about as far Okay, as but I I've got questions. Mm, more. I feel like as well it's mm. regarding... It's timed. Like you can't have a slow maul. You can't have a slow maul and you can also have a metaphoric maul. So Mm. let's say you make an absolute stinker of a movie and the red tomatoes have been chucked at it left, right and centre. It's crap. It's crap, Matthew. Crap. So you and your movie may get mauled by the critics. Oh, yeah, like decimated. Decimated. So your Ishtar will be mauled by the critics just as poor old... Dustin Hoffman's Ishtar was mauled by the critics. So you're mm. right. I like the fact that you're introducing time. We've had a lot of time as a bit of a theme today. Well, maul to me, and it yesterday. seems quick. And you've took, given yeah. the examples. It's an it's that an emergency. That, that's right, an emergent situation yeah. of violence. It's not like And you it gets walk, over. Like after you've been mauled for a while, then you're just being eaten. You don't walk in the door. There's the murderer sitting in the living room having a cigarette. He goes, hello. You go, hi. He goes, I'm going to maul you. It's going to take three days. I don't feel that's mm. how that happens. It would start as a mauling and then would become rape and killing, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it definitely, a mauling is a mauling when you walk graduates. in the door and you've been clocked on the head immediately. Exactly. Unless unless you have Javier Bardem in front of you mm. and then he's going to really drag it out and you know what? Let him. I think I'd let him. You'd let him. I think I'd let him. He's all right. Oh, he's all right. <laughs> Even when he's murdering and he's got a bob. Is it always final? Can you, can uh, well, you survive a Well, in the shark example, you definitely survive it. All you end up with is a baby in your belly. And maybe a ripped neck. Oh, terrible. Depending upon, yes, how um, efficacious the mating was. Great word. You can be mauled, you know, if you are a male koala and you enter the home range of another male koala. He's coming for you. He's coming for you, baby. You know how many times a koala mates in a year? Once every year. So the lady. Is that lady, because they're eating those? They're eating eucalyptus, and they just got heroin dick the whole time. Yeah, they're really. It, 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 from an evolutionary point of view, the koala is an absolute 
outlier. I don't know how it. I don't know how it survived, <laughs> because the system that is in a koala's belly, working out how to make all of the poison from the only thing they eat, yeah. not into poison. It, it's a complicated situation. So if you are a lady koala, you can have three baby koalas in your belly or in your pouch, mm. and then you can get pregnant again. <gasps> I know. But I know. she only does it once a year, or is it just him? Spoken like a I true move male. On. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a mauling is the start of a, a bad thing, and it might end. You know, you might be being mauled by, let's say, a bear, and a hunter in America comes along and shoots the bear. Takes care of it. The mauling finishes. You may have, you you may have a bullet wound somewhere. <laughs> you pick up your leg and a bit of your guts and you go, thanks, thanks and for that, And off you go to get some gangrene. Yeah. That, that shit's going to get badly <laughs> infected, isn't it? A bear scratch, can you imagine? No, oh, I can't imagine. We have pine needle juice and pine baby bear juice. juice. You just said baby bear because you want to know what baby shark is. Do, 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 do. I have no clue. I'm actually pretty glad I've been spared it, I think. Baby shark. Yeah, no, it even they not made a remix a, of it. I don't even know Bluey. We're not going to touch that. Last question before we wrap it up. Go um, more. Have you been mauled? <laughs> Let me think. In a way, it, it, metaphorically speaking, but it really hurt physically, kickboxing. They, they felt like maulings, some of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I wasn't very good at it. I'm tiny and I, <laughs> I tried my best, but all I came away with was lots of bruising, lots of bruising. A bit of bruised ego. And a bruised ego. I certainly learnt my place, yeah. Mm. I'm I'm not a martial artist. Yeah, I haven't been mauled, I wouldn't say. I've never not even been, in a nice way. No. Oh, well, I, that's where my mind went straight away, but I thought if you're not if you're not covered in abscess and and you know gangrene at the end, then <laughs> then it's not a problem. Yeah, mauling. if I'm covered in hickeys and and little like and love chocolate. bumps, yeah. <laughs> It's not a mauling. That's a great night. So, no, I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no for me. But, look, I've really enjoyed that little exploration to maul. Yeah, thank you. No problem. And I've just sort of flicked to the idea of flagellation too. You're flagellating. On that I note, that valued, too. delightful, valued flagellate. listener. Bye-bye, flagellate. Baby shark. Do, 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 do. It's been a pleasure, Michelle. Been a pleasure, Matthew. Bomb shell. Bomb Matthew. Matthew.